Welcome everyone to the Stupid Sexy Podcast. Feels like I'm podcasting? Nothing at all! I'm Chris, that's Dan. And Dan, what are we going to review today? Well, first airing November 5th, 1992. Episode 7, Season 4, Marge Gets a Job. And this is when, uh, the first episode where I fully noticed a producer credit for one, <laughs> Conan O'Brien. Yep, he came up with the episode. Yep. This was his and idea. Oakley and Weinstein wrote it, but it was his idea for this episode. So we're going to review a Conan O'Brien episode. He's had a couple of these season four episodes, including a little jingle about a plow and another jingle about a monorail. And actually, our next episode that we will be reviewing uh, after this one is directly fully written by him. So, um, this is this is when Conan was on The Simpsons. This is the Conan era, baby. <laughs> so, yes. So this is Marge <clears throat> gets a job. Marge is going to go work at the power plant. Another classic trope of husbands and wives working together. But we can, uh, there'll be plenty of discussion about that as we get there. First off, Bart is writing on the chalkboard that he will not teach others to fly. Which means he probably deserved that detention. Probably meant somebody went out the second floor window and landed on their face. It broke something. Probably. And then, the couch gag is the classic one where the family sits down and all their heads are swapped and they quickly switch to the right bodies and Homer's got the pacifier. Because he comes. Because in Homer's the- head was on Maggie's body. Yes, which is the funniest visual. Which they st- which meant the p- pacifier was in Homer's head. <laughs> exactly. So Homer's lounging on the couch. March is going through the mail. Hey, we got a free sample of lemon time. Homer's like, ooh, give me. And starts drinking it. But that's dishwasher syrup. Yeah, what are you going to do? That would have been the end. He would have wished he died. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. He will spend the next two days on the toilet. And then she's like... Hey, look, somebody at the plant's having a retirement party, and he's all excited because he thinks about literally what he's doing right now because it's the couch. It's him on the couch envisioning him laying on the couch. And Flanders walks by the window because it's great pipe weather, but something seems a little off about Ned. Flanders look like he's a little sideways. Yeah, turns out part of their house is sinking into the ground. Maggie is slowly sliding towards the fan. Which, of course, there's... <laughs> Has exposed blades because it's the early 90s. It's the early 90s, which means it was a metal fan with exposed blades, which means it could hurt you. Which is funny, because I've got the uh, the plastic fan in the room going right now, because we're recording this episode in June, and it's hot. But even it's got the security grade on it. Like, I can't just go touch the plastic blades. So... Gotta love, gotta love the early '90s. There's another great uh, early '90s reference that we get in the uh, the next episode we're gonna do. Not that like they were making them without it, but I'm pretty sure that fan they've had that fan since the '70s. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, is, they is the deal that's going on there. So I actually know a, a, I actually have a story. There's actually a story that I know about old school fans and how awful they were. Because it gets to- got told every year at summer camp because 
at a previous summer camp where the director worked before when she was growing up, somebody died. Oof. Because he was all soaking wet and sweaty, and he grabbed the big power fan by the sides, and it was back in the day where electric work wasn't so exact, and he electrocuted to death. Ouch. He wasn't even grabbing where there was electricity, but there was electricity there because it was that old and messed up of a fan. Yeah, if you've got, like, old crap like that, just get rid of it. I don't care how good it works. There's a reason why modern products improve upon the old stuff. He went to just grab it and aim it at himself, and he died. Ugh. Terrible story, but valuable life lesson. For, you know, the survivors. <clears throat> yep. Anyways, uh... Yeah, so the house is starting to sink into the ground. It does, however, retrieve a bunch of stuff off the roof, including a Christmas decoration that shatters. <laughs> and it's that classic trope, like, all the crap left on the roof that the kids have lost. Yep. Which, I don't know, I don't, I don't, I, I feel like a lot of slanted roofs that wouldn't be very possible on. But, like, well, I, I mean, I, like, growing up in New York, that is a thing, like, if you lose it on the roof, guess what? It's coming down during the winter. <laughs> yup. Because they gotta get the snow off the roof at some point. You have to, you have to do that. Even like you have to do that a couple times a winter, unless it, unless it's one of those really bad winters where you gotta do it four or five times. But yeah, you gotta clean that roof off, otherwise it's gonna crush. You'll be surprised on what little holds a roof on a house. <laughs> Especially when you live in they those... are mostly counting on gravity. Holding <laughs> 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 a roof on your house. That's always great to know, actually. That's it's why mostly gravity holding that on. <laughs> that's why tornadoes rip roofs off of houses, like <clears throat> without actually like destroying the roof either. It just kind of like the house opens up. The whole the whole roof just goes, disappears. Yeah. There's a handful of nails, and it's mostly just gravity holding that sucker on. Well, I think in tornado-prone areas, hurricane-prone areas, etc., the roofs are a little more secured. But I know what you're saying. For those of you lucky enough to not live in an area plagued by extreme weather, uh, I'd be careful about those roofs. So, yeah. So Homer's like, all right, well, it's, I'm going to fix the house. So he pulls out the half-assed approach to foundation repair. With the, uh, I am your host, Troy McClure. Yes. You might remember me from such things as... Mothballing your battleship and dig your own grave and save. <laughs> that one cracked me up. So, he goes through an entire thing of technical jargon and Homer apparently doesn't know how to use the pause f feature on a video cassette. So, Homer learns how, nothing. How old is the VCR in the basement? I mean, that's a good point, too, yeah. <laughs> So he goes for Surly Joe's foundation repair. And of course the guy quotes him a price that he's not happy with, so he's gonna he's like, You can't be the oh, only foundation guy in town. A price that would be a prize. Eighty five hundred for a for a entire house repair? Yeah, I would take that. To repair the entire foundation of a house? You have any idea? We had a special AC installed in our garage the other day and it cost more than that. Okay, so 
the most I was ever in debt was about ten grand with all of my credit card stuff, right? That was the most I was ever in debt with the credit cards, the car, everything, blah 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 was about ten grand. This would have been less than my modern day credit card debt. It would have been eighteen <laughs> percent. Exactly. <laughs> Jesus. So yeah. For as far as home repair like and of course this is ninety two they're basing it on, but still, that is ridiculously cheap for, especially for a foundation repair. So of course, Bart's using this as an as a uh, sideshow freak act because there's it's attracting tourists, including the stereotypical Japanese tourists taking their picture. Yeah, and he's like, "Come see the amazing cue ball with no hair." And he's hideous. Yeah, he's hideous. So, it's just like, well, what are we going to do about this? Let's at least go to this retirement party. So, off they go to the spruce caboose. Oh, yeah, because Marge, Marge offers to get a job. And Homer's like, well. Oh, cool. Then I don't have to have a job. And she's like, like yeah. yeah, it's not how this works. So, I, I like the idea of the spruce caboose, too. It's a. It's a train that literally, it was the biggest train ever made, and it was too big to be on the tracks, which is its entire legacy, which is why it's now a restaurant, because it's just sitting there. It's all over the place, too. Yeah, it's mangled and everything. And the uh, <laughs> their mascot is the Headless Brakeman, who they don't even have eye holes for the costume. So it's, the gentleman's name is Jack Marley, who is being forced to retire. He doesn't want to. And Smithers prepares a musical tribute for him, which is just all about Mr. Burns. She was Mr. Burns getting up on stage and singing and dancing. Right, can I say a few words? Ugh. Why are you making this all about you? It's like, please don't let me retire. I never married. My dog just died. Get him out of here, Smithers. And they literally throw him out. <laughs> literally throw him out the train. He's like, well, like there's he, an en- like he had no ticket. Yeah, like- <laughs> there's an entry level position open now. So, in sector seven G. Oh boy. So March is like, maybe I should apply. And Homer immediately realizes this is a bad idea. Well, that's that's the thing, right? Can but he I- can't articulate it. He can't articulate it well. Well, he can't articulate a lot of things well. <laughs> <laughs> Marge, I need that. Thing that you use to scoop food? You mean a spoon? Yeah, yeah, give it here. So, the husband and wife thing, because I put a lot of thought of it. I think that as long as my wife and I weren't actively working in, like, the same department, we could work at the yeah, same company. That's, a, that's the issue, right? It's like... Cause she, and most companies won't let that happen. Because it, it's at, in a certain way, even if it's just seniority, one of you is above the other. Right, Exactly. Because she did apply it at my previous job at the uh, vet supply company. She didn't end up getting the position, but she did apply there. But she wouldn't have been working with me. She would have been in the office. I would have been in the warehouse. And they didn't have an issue with that because two of the top people in the company are a husband and wife. But they are completely different departments. So they don't even work on the same side of the building because the offices are split up by the warehouse because there's offices on either side of the warehouse. And the husband and wife are in completely different sectors. But, so yeah, I think I think that's the thing, right? That's that's what it basically boils down to. 
Because when I worked at the theme parks, they they didn't have any issues with like, em, with like employee dating or anything. But if somebody was in a seniority position, like if they were a coordinator or a manager, they would force one of the people to leave that area so there wasn't a conflict of interest. And that makes sense. So Marge goes to prepare her resume. Pulls out the typewriter and writes, Marge Simpson, homemaker, 1980 to present. And that's her entire resume. And Lisa's like, we need to help pad this for you. So she actually comes up with a whole bunch of things that Marge does. Like, she's a chauffeur. She tends to large mammals, which, of course, is Homer. Uh, You worked for the Carter administration. Really? Well, you voted for him twice. Like, Lisa, shh. Although she's embarrassed by that. They make a couple of really good Jimmy Carter jokes on the show, by the way. And so like, some of this makes sense, right? Because she has to, like, she does. She is a chauffeur. She has to budget for the family. She's a personal she, chef. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Like, those are all things that all homemakers have to do at a very high level. But Lisa makes it a little too extreme because she yes, actually... Because by the time she's actually having the interview with Smithers... Yeah, he welcomes her in Swahili. And he's like, oh, I guess my Swahili's not as good as yours. And then he actually, like, they, she gets hired and she he brings her to the room. And like, well, I mean, you practically designed this. Yeah, you, so. met, you invented this machine. <laughs> my favorite part is Lisa's like, going to be gonna be working together just just like uh just like the curies like what did they do oh they discovered radiation and then they and they just then they discovered uh oh they discovered radium and then they both died of radiation poisoning and bart immediately imagines them as giant radioactive monsters i also love just think about just shitting and puking for like the last three weeks of your life nonstop. yeah yeah basically (laughs) So I love that one of Homer's advice is, uh, if something goes wrong, blame the guy who can't speak English. Oh, Tibor. <laughs> You've, how many times have you saved my butt? And then there's two callbacks to this Tibor guy. The first one is when Smithers is showing Marge to her office. He goes, that idiot Tibor lost the key, but you can jimmy it open with a credit card. And then when Homer's upset about everyone getting promoted over him, including Tibor... <laughs> So I like what Marge is just confused what to do, and as soon as she hits a button, she ignites a fire and sends a bunch of workers screaming. So that's Marge in her new office. Meanwhile, at school, we get a couple. We get a couple <laughs> of uh, kickbacks here. One of my favorites is in this episode. One of my favorite Bart things. Oh yeah, so of course he's like, "Time to take an English test," and Bart immediately starts screaming, "Oh my test day! Oh no!" Bart, you ever heard of the boy who cries wolf? Uh, yeah, I'm about halfway through it. So, even though he does get out of there. Uh, so, by the way, while Marge is working, Grandpa is coming over to watch Maggie. And he gets to deal with sick Bart. And there's some really funny jokes about this. In fact, uh, after he picks him up from school, he has Bart laid up in bed. And he's got, like, the, uh... All the, uh, the, the the bags and everything, to the steam bags to clear up your sinuses. And he's like, 
He's like, I brought you a bag of leeches. The bait shop called them worms, but we'll do what we can with them. He's like, no, Grandpa, I'm better. He's like, yeah. He goes, ah, oral thermometer, my ass. Now be prepared, boy. This thing's awfully cold. <laughs> you just hear Bart scream. Ugh. Thank God. You, I, you don't even have to t use oral thermometers anymore. The one we have, you just hold it up to your forehead. Gets your temperature immediately. Yeah, I get the laser of the forehead thing, yep. That's the best thermometer ever, because math thermometers are pretty annoying anyway, but... <laughs> Although, to be honest, I don't know if I've ever had a rectal thermometer. I mean, I probably did when I was a baby, but not like... I never had one when I was old enough to know what it was. So, good for me, I guess. So, Marge is filling out a form, and he's like, I'll, be, I'll come to lunch in a second, homie. And he's like, oh, Marge, let me file that for you. So he sticks it in a tube. So where does it go? You just let the tube worry about it, baby. And of course, they all just end up in the river, and there's a bunch of beavers building a dam out of all these discarded tubes from the power plant. Which is a really funny joke in itself. So Burns, with the Imperial theme, by the way, which I absolutely loved. The You know, the Imperial, of course, because that's not the first time they've used the Imperial theme for Mr. Burns, but... He says so he's monitoring his employees. Some of them are playing chess in the core. There's a cockfight going on <laughs> that they're all betting on. But then there's Marge. Smithis, she's beautiful. Zoom in on her. Further, closer. And then hits her in the head. <laughs> yeah, literally hits her in the head. It's like my heart's beating like a jackhammer. And it cuts Close up to his heart, his black heart, and it's all shriveled. Yeah, it's all old and shriveled up, and it like pumps one time. So he goes to introduce himself to Marge. He's like, "What can we do to make people more productive around here?" Because there's a like... customary welcome basket, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> customary welcome one. basket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Morale is so low. There's a guy who's literally crying, a girl who's drinking her, drinking her troubles away, and then there's a guy who's either in a cult or insane. Can't tell. Polishing his gun. She's like, well, like, so what kind of recommendations? Well, what if we did like a funny hat day, or you know, or, or have some music from Tom Jones? That always soothes me. And some healthy snacks. So they try it. And of course they do the montage of Tom Jones music. And it hasn't changed anything except that they're wearing funny hats. And then the donut guy is literally fighting off the power plant employees. Including Lenny that he whips into the wall. Castlevania style. But Burns likes what Marge did. So he promotes her. He's going to get the office right next to his. That's Smithers' office. And Smithers actually gets demoted to cleaning bathrooms. Although he's enjoying it for some reason. Until Homer runs in and <laughs> pees right in his freshly cleaned urinal. It's okay. It's time for Bart to take his makeup test. I'm going to guess this. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, I bet you that's the line that Dan mentioned he liked. Oh, my ovaries. And then, of course, Grandpa gives him the Boy Who Cried Wolf story. All this is leading up. 
So, of course, Homer is upset about Marge's promotion, but he's too lazy to actually storm out of the bedroom. I'm going to go down to the couch. I'm going to fold it and take the bed. Uh, never mind. And just goes to sleep. And Burns, on the other hand, is having these fantasies about Marge. You know, I had that dream again, Smithers, the one where the, you're in bed and they fly in through the window, and we cut to Smithers' version of that dream, which, of course, is Burns flying through the window. We're getting a little more little more hint-heavy about Smithers' true intentions with Mr. Burns. There have been references all the way back to Season 1, but we're actually really getting some references out of this. This is one of the best ones that they do, is the, the dream joke. So, one quick note about this episode. While it's very obvious that Smithers has an, his eye on Burns, and Burns clearly has his eye on someone else... Smithers is very helpful in this episode. Do you notice that? He's just trying to make Burns happy. Is it because he knows Marge is married? And he knows it's not going to go anywhere? Or has he not developed his jealous side yet? What do you think? I have no idea. It's fun to think about, though. There's already been an episode where he got jealous. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Where him and Homer became like best friends. And so there's gets jealous and he finds out Homer's a big fraud. Right? <laughs> so I don't know. We're gonna see where that goes. You know what I think it is? because uh, it's uh makes a better episode. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares about characterization when we have a better episode idea? Yeah. That's true. God damn your continuity. <laughs> so, the house is actually fixed thanks to the dual incomes now. And the guy's like, you know, we can prevent this from happening with a 50 cent washer. Get out of here. You know, I got some washers in the truck. I just. Yeah, you want for free. Marge, get the gun. <laughs> You just didn't want to get upselled, even though it was for free. I know. <laughs> I was going to save them millions of dollars in the future. So, of course, Burns wants to plan this big romantic romantic night out with, uh, with Marge. So he convinces Smithers to go get Tom Jones. Smithers arrives, offers him a briefcase full of money, and he goes, I don't do private shows. Well, then how about this briefcase? And it's got the the knockout gas. Pleasant dreams, Mr. Jones. And that's the Tom Jones because it's his singing voice is different from his speaking voice because he is very British when he speaks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a, my, my all-time favorite speaking versus singing voice is definitely Ozzy, though. Where he's like a, he's a, he's a total marble mouth when he talks, but when he sings, he actually it sings really well. was also this guy I went to college with, and he was in the choir and he had the deepest voice i heard in my life but he was such a tenor they made him a soprano because <laughs> that's just where his his singing vocal cords work i guess he had the deepest voice of somebody i had literally seen in front of me yet he was with the girls <laughs> when it came to the choir yeah <laughs> it was nuts so yeah, so you see all the little girl, all the girls, 
And then there's this six and a half foot tall guy <laughs> in the middle of the sea of girls. That's awesome. <laughs> it's also really funny. <laughs> so meanwhile, over at Krusty Lou Studios. Oh, no, we got to get. So now Bart's being forced into the hallway to take his makeup test. Yes. I have some trivia about his uh, his other diseases we'll get to. But while he's sitting out in the hallway doing the test, there's an Alaskan Timberwolf at Krusty Lou Studios. The uh, this is always a this is always a fun gag too because he's got the the falcon on his head that's like attacking him. He's like, get it off! Well, here's a Timberwolf. Now they're pretty powerful. Their jaws can cut through a parking meter, but you know, as long as it's not spooked by loud noises. But that's our secret word of the day. And that causes the timber wolf to escape. I like that it's just walking through the, the city streets and the cops are just like, oh, good doggy. And then the literal cry wolf moment. It attacks Bart in the hallway. Resulting in him literally crying wolf. And in Krabappel, no sells him. But then Groundskeeper really shows up. Hey, Wolfie, put down that hors d'oeuvre. Time for the main course. And then when he beats the wolf, he's drinking with it. He's sharing a flask with it. Yeah, because Bart comes back in with the shredded test. She's like, I'm not even going to look at this until you tell me what happened. <sighs> there was no wolf. I made, I made up. the whole thing. Yeah. Now I'm just going to lie down on the floor, please. <laughs> so, Yes. Uh, then he feel- passes out, and she realizes, oh, shit. <laughs> yep. Oh, dear. So Burns extends his private invitation to Marge. She's like, look, even Tom Jones is going to be there. And he's like, hi, Marge. And Smithers got the gun to his back. That's right. Keep smiling. Everybody's happy. <laughs> and she's like, oh, that's so sweet. I look forward to it with Homer, my husband. And, of course, Burns has his heart broken. Yes, I can picture him now as... Long blonde hair in the wind, and he has that vision of Marge driving with like this muscular, hair covered Homer. It's like Burns gave me another raise. Ah, what an old fool! Ha 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 ha! So he fires her for being married, and she's like, "I'm going to sue the pants off of you." Oh, you don't have to sue me to get my pants off. So they go to. I can't believe it's a, not a law firm, or I can't believe it's a law firm. <laughs> Good old Lionel Hutz. And he sees dollar signs. He's just like... a slam dunk open and shut case. We're going to win so much money. (laughs) It's going to be great. You want a scotch? It's 9.30 in the morning. Well, I haven't slept in days. (laughs) Yeah, and he actually has a case there. He's like, we've got witnesses. We've got a paper trail. He goes, well, I've got 10 high-priced lawyers. And Hutz screams and runs out of the office. So, of course, Marge relents and wants to get out of there with Homer, but Homer stands up to Mr. Burns because he loves her. And Burns has he. He's just like, you know what? Do me a favor. Love her. Love her for me. And he gets the private party anyway with Homer there, with Tom Jones chained like a caged animal. He's like, please send for help. Give me a hacksaw, anything. (laughs) Anything, please. While he sings, it's not unusual. 
And that wraps up Marge Gets a Job. Thoughts before we head to trivia? It's a fun episode. It's real good. Right. And then the the, the Bart B plot has some of the best callbacks and the the, the um, not actually does get attacked by a wolf. The payoff to the boy who cry wolf story is he actually start cries wolf by the end. Yep. When no and oh so good. They they do a really good job with that. So Tom Jones himself credits this cameo appearance for resurrecting his career. And the cast really yeah. liked him. They said he was really nice, he was easy to work with, and he even offered to perform a concert when he was done recording his lines. Now, is he still doing stuff today? I'm pretty sure he is, right? Uh, last I knew, he was like X-Factor UK guy. Like, I don't think he's doing any new music, but he's still doing shows, and I think he has... So, you know, here's his top four credits on IMDb. The Voice UK. Uh, this is Tom Jones as the host, is his top credit. And then he was the theme song guy in The Emperor's New Groove. And then he gets credited for the soundtracks of Deep Impact and Thunderball are his top credits. Okay, yeah, because he does the song. Right. Thunderball. The Voice UK, he was a performer on nine episodes for the soundtrack. But if you actually look up the Voice UK, and go to the actual credits. He performs as himself and coach and was there from 2012 to 2020. Yeah. All right. So, like I said, I have some trivia about the uh, the Boy Who Cried Wolf segment. So, in the very first episode, Kerbopel says that Bart has faked every illness he could to get out of the test, one of which was Tourette Syndrome. And that's when Bart does that scene where he's snarling, barking, and making those inappropriate comments, right? Now, we saw that line, but did you notice that Krabappel actually mentioned rabies instead? Yes. Well, the original episode caused, guess what? Controversy. Because someone who had Tourette's Syndrome threatened to sue the show for the unflattering depiction of the condition. So, when the show reran during the summer, they changed it to rabies, but they also cut the snarling and barking. In syndication, Tourette's got re-added, but the snarling and barking was still out. For the season four DVD and the FXX, the rabies line is used without the snarling and barking, but it was re-added for the Disney Plus. How about that? Jeez. That's a lot to go through for one little joke. That's how this works, right? Uh, the wolf approaches the school. You can see the bell tower, last seen in Principal Charming. It's not visible in many other episodes, but it is there. Memba? <laughs> Memba the bell? The chime of the bell? Mm-hmm. Which is only ever there in, like, plot-based things, too. Yeah, when they need it. <laughs> this show is full of uh, it's there when they need it. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Um, you, can't, you can't go for 32 years without 
things conveniently appearing and disappearing, okay? And yes, Conan O'Brien was like, what if Marge got a job at the power plant and Burns had a crush on her? And that's how we got the episode. There was an animation error during the dream sequence. There's a lump in the bed, which of course is just Smithers' knees. But people thought it might be something else. So that became that caused controversy. Did you notice that that photograph of Burns meeting Elvis that's, that Burns gave to Smithers is actually hanging up in Smithers' office? Yeah. And how'd they get all that jargon for Troy McClure? Well, because it's all accurate. It came from a Time Life Foundation repair book. Should I get a kick? Read a few lines, yeah. And then my favorite piece of trivia will be the last one we do here. Marge would go on to work two of her invented jobs. She would become a curator of large animals in the 2005 episode, The Bonfire of the Manatees. And in My Fair Lady in 2015, she would become a chauffeur. So now at least two things on her resume are accurate. Thanks, Lisa. Ah, there you have it. Marge gets a job, had a job, got fired from that job, tried to sue, couldn't sue, but still lived happily ever after. Yeah, good episode. Uh, this was Conan's first first outing with uh, an idea. And I think it's a good one. I don't think it's a great season four episode compared to the other stuff we get in the season, but it's a very good episode, period. Again, this is one of the hardest seasons to rank because this episode is absolutely filled with classic episodes, moments, things of that nature, etc. So, when we come back to you guys on Sunday, we're going to review New Kid on the Block, not kids we're not going to talk about the band we're going to talk about kid the new neighbor and another example of an early love interest of bart simpson of which he has had many that will be coming up on sunday we thank you guys for tuning in check out all the great shows on ckcc radio and join us then for another edition of the stupid sexy podcast because i got podcasting nothing at all